0: Luke, chapter 24, verses 13 through 53, verses 13 through 24. And behold, two of them went that same day to a village called Emos, which was from Jerusalem about threescore furlongs. And they talked together of all these things which had happened. And it came to pass that while they communed together and reasoned, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were holden that they should not know him. And he said unto them, What manner of communications are these that ye have one to another, as ye walk, and are so sad? And the one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answering, said unto him, Art thou only a stranger in Jerusalem? And hast thou not known the things which are come to pass there in these days? And he said unto them, What things? And they said unto him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, which was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death, and have him crucified. But we trusted that it had been he which should have redeemed Israel. And besides all this, today is the third day since these things were done. Yea, and certain women, also of our company, made us astonished, which were early at the sepulcher. And when they found not his body, they came, saying, that they had also seen a vision of angels, which said that he was alive. And certain of them which were with us went to the sepulcher, and found it even so, as the women had said. But they saw him not. Burkett notes. Here we have observable, one, the journey which two of the disciples took to Amos, a village not far from Jerusalem. The occasion of their journey is not told us, but the scripture acquaints us with their discourse in their journey, and as they were walking by the way. It was holy and useful pious and profitable discourse that they entertained one another with as they walked. They discoursed of Christ's death and resurrection, a good pattern for our imitation, when providentially cast into such company as will bear it, that our lips drop as the honeycomb and our tongue be as choice silver. Observe, too, how our holy Lord presently made one in the company when they were discoursing seriously about the matters of religion. He overtook them and joined himself to them. The way to have Christ's presence and company with us is to be discoursing of Christ and the things of Christ. Observe three, though Christ came to them, it was incognito. He was not known to them, for their eyes were holden by the power of God. Their sight was restrained that they could not discern who he was, but took him for another person, though his body had the same dimensions that he had before. Whence we learn, the influence which God has upon all our powers and faculties upon all our members and senses, and how much we depend upon God for the use and exercise of our faculties and members. Their eyes were holden that they could not know him. Observe, four, that the notion of the Messiah being a temporal savior was so deeply rooted in the minds of the disciples that it remained here with them, even after he was risen from the dead. Here they own and acknowledge him to be a prophet, mighty indeed in deed and word but they questioned whether he were the Messiah, the Redeemer of Israel. They could not reconcile the ignominy of his death with the grandeur of his office, nor conceive how the infamy of a cross was consistent with the glory of a king. We trusted that it had been he which should have redeemed Israel. As if they'd said, We were full of hopes that this had been the Messiah so long expected by us, but, this being the third day since he died, we fear we shall find ourselves mistaken for it's towards evening, and the day is far spent. And he went in to tarry with them. And it came to pass, as he sat at meat with them, he took bread, and blessed it, and brake it, and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened, and they knew him, and he vanished out of their sight. And they said one to another, Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked with us by the way, and while he opened to us the scriptures? <coughs> Bracket notes, Observe one, our Savior reproves, and then instructs them he reproves them for being ignorant of the sense of scripture. They thought the death of the Messiah a sufficient ground to question the truth of his office, when it was an argument to confirm and establish it. O fools, ought not Christ to suffer? As if he'd said, do you not find that the person described by the prophets in the Old Testament to be the Messiah was to wade to his glory through a sea of blood? Why then do you think yourselves deceived in the person who suffered three days ago? when his death doth agree so well with the predictions of the prophets, who foretold that the Messiah should be cut off, not for himself, and be smitten for the iniquities of his people. Here we may observe the great wisdom and grace of God, who makes sometimes the diffidence of his people an occasion of further clearing up the choicest truths unto them. Never did these disciples hear so excellent exposition of Moses and the prophets concerning the Messiah as now, when their sinful distrusts had so far prevailed over them. Observe, too, the doctrines which Christ instructs his disciples in, namely, in the necessity of his death and passion, and of his glory and exaltation, ought not Christ to suffer and to enter into his glory? Learn, one, that with respect to God's decree and with relation to men's guilt, the death of Christ was necessary and indispensable. Two, that his resurrection and exaltation was as necessary as his passion. Three, that there was a meritorious connection between Christ's suffering and his glory. His exaltation was merited by his passion. He was to drink of the brook in the way, and then he was to lift up his head. Observe four, Christ did not only put light into these apostles' heads, but heat also into their hearts which burned all the while he communed with them, did not our hearts burn within us while he opened to us the scriptures? Oh, what an efficacious power is there in the word of Christ, when sent home upon the hearts of men by the Spirit of Christ. Verses 33-44 through And they rose up the same hour, and returned to Jerusalem, and found the eleven gathered together, and them that were with them, saying, The Lord is risen indeed! and hath appeared to Simon, and they told what things were done in the way, and how he was known to them in the breaking of bread. And as they thus spake, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them, and saith unto them, Peace be unto you. But they were terrified and affrighted, and supposed that they had seen a spirit. And he said unto them, Why are ye troubled? And why do thoughts arise in your hearts? Behold my hands and my feet, that is I myself. Handle me, and see." for a spirit hath not flesh and bones as ye see me have and when he had thus spoken he showed them his hands and his feet and while they yet believed not for joy and wonder he said unto them have ye any meat and they gave him a piece of broiled fish and a honeycomb and he took it and did eat it before them and he said unto them these are the words which i spake unto ye while i was yet with you that all things must be fulfilled which are written in the law of moses and in the prophets, and in the Psalms concerning me. Burkett notes, Observe, one, that these two disciples at Emmaus, being fully satisfied in the truth of Christ's resurrection by his appearing to them in breaking of bread, they arose presently and went from Emmaus to Jerusalem. It must needs be late at night, being after supper and seven miles distant. Yet considering the sorrows that the disciples were under, these two leave all their private affairs and hasten to comfort them with the glad tidings of our Lord's resurrection, teaching us that all secular affairs, all private and particular business, must give place to the glory of God and the comfort and salvation of souls. Observe too, The great endeavors which our Savior used to confirm his disciples' faith in the doctrine of the resurrection. He comes and stands in the midst of them and says, Peace be unto you. Next, he shows them his pierced hands, side, and feet with the scars and marks which he yet retained, that they might see it was their crucified master. After all this, he eats before them a piece of broiled fish and a honeycomb, not that he needed it, his body being now become immortal, but to assure them that it was his own person, and that he had still the same body. Yet so slack and backwards were they to believe that Christ was risen, that all the predictions of the scripture, all the assurances they had from our Savior's mouth, and of the several appearances of Christ unto them, were little enough to establish and confirm their faith in the resurrection of our Savior. Observe 3, the highest and fullest evidence which our Savior offers to evince and prove the certainty of his resurrection, namely, by appealing to their senses. Handle me and see. Christ admits the testimony of our senses to assure it to be his real body. And if the Church of Rome will not allow us to believe our senses, we shall lose the best external evidence we can have to prove the truth of the Christian religion, namely the miracles of Christ. For how can I know that those miracles were true, but by the judgment of my senses? Now, as our senses tell us that Christ's miracles were true, so they assure us that the doctrine of transubstantiation is false. Verses 45-48 through 48, then opened he their understanding, that they might understand the scriptures, and said unto them, Thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer, and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sin should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And ye are witnesses of these things. Burkett notes, It's one thing to open the scriptures themselves, or to explain them, and another to open their understanding to perceive them. Christ did the latter, Whence note that the opening of the mind and heart effectually to receive the truths of God is the particular prerogative and office of Jesus Christ. He opened their understandings, namely by the illuminations of his Holy Spirit. One of the greatest miseries under which lapsed nature labors is spiritual blindness. Christ has the only eye salve which can heal and cure it, Revelations 3.18 And there is no worse cloud to obscure the light of the Spirit than a proud conceit of our own knowledge. Observe, too, the special charge given by our Savior to his apostles to preach repentance and remission of sin, to preach it in Christ's name, to preach it to all nations, beginning first at Jerusalem, where note the astonishing mercy of Jesus Christ. Although Jerusalem was the place where he lost his life, the city that barbarously butchered and inhumanely murdered him. Yet there will he have the doctrine of repentance preached. Nay, first preached. There the gospel combination must first begin, that repentance and remission of sin be preached, beginning at Jerusalem. Lord, how unwilling art thou that any should perish, when thou not only prayest for thy murderers, and offered up thy blood to God in behalf of them that shed it, but required thy ambassadors to make Jerusalem first tender of remission upon condition of repentance. That repentance and remission of sin should be preached among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. Verses 49 through 53. And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. But tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem, until ye be endued with the power from on high. And he led them out as far as to Bethany, and he lifted up his hands and blessed them. And it came to pass, while he blessed them, he was parted from them and carried up into heaven. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy, and were continually in the temple, praising and blessing God. Amen. Burkett notes, Our Savior, being now about to leave his disciples, comforts them with the promise of his Holy Spirit, which should supply the want of his bodily presence, and bids them to tarry at Jerusalem till they should, at the Feast of Pentecost, be made partakers of this invaluable blessing. Observe, too, our Lord having blessed his disciples, he takes his leave of them and goes up into heaven. As he raised himself out of his grave, so did he ascend into heaven by his own power, there to appear in the presence of God for us, and, as our forerunner, to give us an assurance that in due time we shall ascend after him, whither our forerunner is for us entered. Hebrews 6.20 Observe lastly the act of homage and adoration which the apostles performed to the Lord Jesus, how they worshipped him, that is, as God, the eternal Son of God, being so declared by the resurrection from the dead and by his ascension into heaven before their eyes from whence he will certainly come at the end of the world to judge both the quick and the dead. For which solemn honor God Almighty prepare all mankind by a renewed frame of heart and a religious course of life. And then, come Lord Jesus, to judgment. Come quickly. Amen.